Hello, and welcome to the new Mission Career Transition podcast. I'm your host, Chris Caprellian, and I'm joined by my co-host, sister, and talent management pro, Alexandra Caprellian. We interview service members that transition to new careers, DOD representatives, and civilian HR professionals to provide you with lessons learned you won't get in a transition class and to help you transition with confidence. Our guest today is James Raymond, a retired U.S. Navy commander and MH60 pilot that transitioned from the cockpit to the corporate world. James will provide his lessons learned and some insight on how he identified and marketed his skill set to land a job with his current employer, Yahoo. James Raymond, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Hey, we're very happy to have you on. Um, so to start off, if you could please tell us a little bit about yourself, your home, education, how you joined the military, and maybe a little bit of an overview of your military experience. Sure. Uh, so right now I live in Washington, D.C. with my wife, Kelly, uh, who's a career lobbyist, and my daughter, Catherine, who's uh, seven, going on 16. And my son, Theodore, who's uh, four and uh, is following his sister's footsteps uh, quite closely. I did uh, 20 years in the Navy Navy as a helicopter pilot. Uh, my designation was 1310. Uh, so those designation codes are uh, what, you do, what you are as an officer, be it a uh, surface warfare, be it submarine officer uh, or a backseat uh, pilot. And there's a whole uh, host of other codes, but uh, it gets pretty complicated. Uh, I grew up in uh, California, in the Bay Area, uh, and as an only child, and I stayed there until I was 18, and then I decided to go to uh, Oregon State University, uh, about eight hours north, uh, because I wanted to go to uh, Navy ROTC, uh, and uh, when I made that decision, my uh, dad, who uh, was in the Navy uh, during Vietnam, uh, told me, uh, please don't join the Navy, do anything about that. And uh, being the uh, young person I was, I said, absolutely, join the Navy, let's go do this. Of course. But uh, there's the um, you know uh, military background in my family. Not only did my dad go to Vietnam with the Navy, my uh, uncle went with the Air Force. Uh, both my grandfathers served in Korea in World War II uh, on the enlisted sides. And a uh, great-grandfather before that in World War One. So a uh, long history of the military, um, but chose to go uh, to uh, ROTC at Oregon State uh, with a degree in biology and a minor in chemistry and uh, naval sciences. And I uh, came out of that with a commission after uh, four long years where I was not a very good student and uh, decided to fly uh, planes for the Navy. Um, yeah. How those degrees helped, uh, I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I would guess that most of your peers tend to be like uh, mechanical engineers or in the engineering field, and you came from biology field. Yeah, there's also a whole host of uh, history majors. Uh, so hmm. that, that seems like a popular one as well. Yeah, no kidding. They should have been Marines, I guess. I don't know. Like, a lot <laughs> yeah, of us are yeah, poli-sci uh, majors, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that uh, Navy ROTC does uh, both Marine Corps and Navy, so uh, a good mix there. Um, at first, I was like, maybe I'll be a Marine, and uh, once I got into the military, I, I knew that was not the choice for me. Um, I, I chose correctly with the Navy. 
Well played. Well played. <laughs> you know, um, so uh, getting my degree, um, I, uh, you know, funny story there. I, uh, at Oregon State, you actually get your diploma when you cross the stage. And you also uh, swear in uh, to the Navy at, at, the, uh, at that ceremony. So under your gown, you have your uniform and uh, you take the oath right there. And, but you've already signed the paperwork. So when I crossed the stage, I went to get my diploma and my diploma book was empty. And uh, I was like, oh man, there's a problem here. Uh, so after the ceremony, my, my family is all there, my friends, they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, I, I gotta go see the dean of my school. And uh, went over and they're like, yeah, you didn't graduate. And I'm like, uh, this is a problem because I'm commissioned in the Navy now and to be an officer, you need a degree. And so what, what do I do here? They're like, well, we're gonna look at your files really quick. See, you missed this one class right here. And therefore you're not gonna graduate on time. I'm like, but I've got to. And they're like, let's look at your file a little bit more. Oh, actually, uh, according to this, you're on the old program. So you didn't need this class. So you actually graduated. We're so sorry. Let's print up your diploma right now. Oh my oh man, what a roller coaster! I I know. I swear, I've had nightmares that sounded like that. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, with ROTC, if you uh, you don't finish the program, um, you actually uh, are the Navy takes you enlisted, and uh, you serve your contract to pay back uh, any funds that the Navy expended on you for your education. Yeah. So. Well, that didn't happen though, did it? That did not happen. <laughs> so, so I uh, went to flight school in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, for uh, helicopters, it's about uh, two and a half years to get your, uh, two years to get your wings, another six months to uh, train on uh, your aircraft. Uh, and for that, I was a marginal student to begin with. Uh, once I got the helicopters, I actually finished top of my class and uh, you get to do a selection process. And I chose to fly the Navy's newest helicopter at the time, the MH-60 Sierra uh, out of Guam. Uh, as far around the world as I could get, uh, being young, I wanted to get that true Navy experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> so uh, right about that time of, uh, uh, Finishing up that helicopter training, 9-11 uh, happened, and, uh, and the bases went on the lockdowns, and I finished up my training, got to Guam, and uh, by the time I finished up my training, uh, I was on the island for about six weeks when we all loaded up on ships for the invasion of Iraq. Um, so uh, spent quality time in, in the uh, Arabian Gulf, uh, bringing bombs from the supply ship over to the aircraft carrier so they could uh, do their uh, bombing runs every night and uh, finished up uh, you know that tour uh, in 2005 uh, at that time the Navy does a really good job of telling you uh, this is your track to become a commander and have a, the chance to be a CEO of a squadron and they lay this path out um, for your sea tours, your uh, shore tours, and how you should progress through the first 10 to 12 years of your career to get the opportunity. Um, so the path is fairly well-defined. Uh, so I did my first squadron tour, uh, which is the first step. And the next step uh, of a traditional path is um, to go teach your replacements, to go teach new pilots. 
So I went back to uh, Pensacola to uh, the helicopter squadrons and started teaching uh, new pilots how to fly uh, helicopters on instruments, do search and rescue, do night vision goggles, um, uh, do formation flying with uh, multiple helicopters close to each other. Um, and that's where my wife joined me in uh, Florida. Uh, you know, we dated, we did the uh, classical military date for a short period, get married. And uh, she came from California as well, moved to Florida and uh, started going back to school. Um, so about then army, the army was uh, hurting for uh, people in Iraq. Uh, and the Navy said, we are going, going to help. We're going to set up a program called Individual Augmentees, uh, in which we will send individual officers over to uh, fill Army jobs. So uh, talking to the wife, I said, hey, I, I know this is going to be something that uh, is standard. Uh, if I get to select my job, I have one, I can get something that, that's important and maybe a little bit safer. And uh, so would you mind if I went to Iraq? And uh, she, uh, being young and not knowing much about the military, <laughs> said, uh, I'm not sure. And I said, I'll buy you a new car and a dog. Yeah. Can I go? <laughs> and so she said, oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she said, uh, yeah, go ahead, uh, please. Um, so I talked to uh, my commanding officer and I said, hey, I see this job. Uh with uh, the Navy SEALs, can I go? And uh, she's like, from there on, she never trusted you again. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah once I got over to, uh, to Iraq, uh, she's like, you're having fun with this, aren't you? I'm like, uh, if I say yes, am I in trouble? And the answer was yes. So, uh, so yeah, so I went with uh, SEAL Team 2 to uh, Iraq and uh, as their uh, air coordination officer. So basically, um, I would figure out during the day their the normal logistics, moving people, moving cargo, um, making sure that we had all the supplies we needed. But at night, I would, uh, as they would go out on missions, I would make sure that they had the air cover and the air transportation and the air tools that they required uh, to dominate uh, whatever they were going to do. So, so what happened after you redeployed? Uh, so after I redeployed, I uh, went back to uh, my, so two things happened. Uh, while I was deployed, uh, I was up for new orders. Um, so I called my wife from Iraq and I said, hey, Kelly, uh, where do you want to go? And she said, I, and her uh, thought was, I would like to go to DC. That's where I'd always, uh, that's my Mecca. That's where I want to be. And I'm like, well, I can't get you there. I could probably get you to Norfolk. And she said, Okay, I can tell for that. We're moving in the right direction. So as I was getting ready to come back from Iraq, I got my new set of orders. And I was going to this place called Avondale. Uh, and I'm like, Avondale, Virginia, I've never heard of it. So I uh, jumped on a unclassified computer and uh, searched up where Avondale was. And uh, Avondale's in Louisiana, uh, just south of, uh, of, uh, of New Orleans. And it's a shipyard there uh, where they're building uh, the latest LPD class uh, ship, the USS New York. And this is where the ship has the uh, World Trade Center steel in it. 
that we forged into the bow uh, as a remembrance of the two towers. Oh, very cool. Uh, so I, I had to call uh, Kelly. I'm like, hey, uh, I'm going to get you to Norfolk, but we're going to take a slight detour. We're going to uh, Louisiana for a year. Uh, so, uh, so I uh, went to uh, New Orleans. We uh, built the the uh, New York, and uh, once we uh, got it built up, we moved it to uh, to Norfolk, and uh, we did our time. And this is also called our uh, aviation appreciation tour. Um, this is right about when uh, you're up with your first contract. When uh, by contract. Uh, if you take your helicopter job, you uh, owe seven years after you get your wings. So uh, my first chance to get out was right around 2009, and the Navy offered me a bonus to stay in, uh, which I took. And then they sent you on your aviation appreciation tour, which is a surface warfare ship. And uh, you learned how to drive that ship, which was in New York for me, where uh, I was a uh, aviation boss. All right, so I uh, went up to Norfolk. Uh, then I went to my uh, department head squadron, uh, deployed with New York, uh, with uh, the Bush. Uh, and that was its main voyage. Uh, that About that time, uh, I found out that uh, I was going to be ranked number two, which meant that I, was, I didn't have an opportunity to make CO. And so this is where I decided to start, uh, start getting off the path. Uh, that had been prescribed by the Navy and do the jobs that are inside the Navy that actually set me up for a second career uh, when I when I chose to retire at 20 years. So Okay, so that, if, if I could just interrupt you for a second, because every branch of service has a different performance evaluation process. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, in the Navy, they're essentially, they group everybody within the same grade and the same occupational specialty and then your reporting senior has to rank everybody from top to bottom. Is that what you meant? Do I have that right? Uh, that's correct. So at the squadron, there's uh, about uh, nine to 11 uh, department heads. And out of those department heads, uh, the goal is at the end of your tour to be number one out of those 11. And if you're number one, that puts you in the correct pile to be considered for uh, a commanding officer position because there's so few of those. Um, in my time, when I came up to, uh, the end of my tour, out of those 11 officers, I was ranked number two, which is just shy of where I needed to be. And that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to, to accept too. I mean, like, I mean, you could have been just slightly under number one, but and I'm sure you talked to either somebody you knew or a mentor to understand what that meant before you just decided to take a different route. Is is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I talked to my friends. Uh, I talked to a couple of the other uh, CEOs that I knew, um, and it the nigga taught us that if you're not number one, that's where you you still have the opportunity to serve 20 years, but you will never have command. Okay. And so, um, this is, this is for me, this is 2012. And so right there, it was, a, it hurt. And the fact that, uh, you know, you're kind of voted off the Island, right? You, you weren't good enough. So that's the end of your flying career. Basically there's some options, but 
for the most part, your blackbird is done. And so it, you get voted off the island. And so it's what am I going to do uh, for the Navy? And uh, what do I want to do after the Navy? Mm. So what, what did you come up with? <laughs> uh, so, so what I came up with was, uh, well, my, uh, my uh, wife uh, wants to go to D.C. or close to D.C. Um, I'm up for a shore tour. Let's go to D.C. So I ended up going to uh, uh, the OPNAV staff, to the uh, chief of naval operations uh, on his personal staff, so he uh, is in charge of uh, man, train, and equip the Navy. And uh, I was doing long-term studies with corporate America to try to solve issues for the Navy. Wow. Like, and when you say, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's amazing what happens. All of a sudden, the detailer or monitor or the person that issues the <laughs> orders opens up a whole different range of options for you. Exactly. Right. You know, it's like, uh, now I can start talking to corporate America and now I'm not worried about, uh, you know, the, these, uh, high stress. I mean, there's still high stress jobs, but the high stress, uh, combat jobs. I'm now worried about the high stress business operations of the Navy jobs. Okay, great. Uh, so I did that for uh, three years and, uh, for the Navy, normally you go back to sea. Um, but I still wanted to stay in DC because uh, at that point I had my, our first uh, child. And uh, and I knew that I wanted to continue setting myself up for uh, being in DC because I actually enjoyed it here. Uh, so I found a program, uh, the Defense uh, Fellow Program, which sends uh, uh, military off officers and enlisted to Congress as uh, military fellows to learn how uh, Congress works and to uh, liaise between um, the Congress and the military branches. So I worked uh, for Congressman Conway of Texas 11 as his, his uh, military fellow, helping him form the uh, National Defense Authorization Act for uh, 2016 and uh, also do uh, it, uh, work with his constituents that had military uh, concerns and issues. Wow. So were you, and you said your, your uh, wife is also a lobbyist. I, I'm wondering, did you get pointers from her? <laughs> I, 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 would, I would ask her, you know, how does this work? How does legislation run? You know, um, I don't understand how the finances work. Uh, and appropriations work. Can you, can you give me a primer on Congress? And she would look at me like, how do you not know this stuff? And I'd look at her like, what do you know about helicopters? And uh, so we kind of just <laughs> laugh at each other. That's pretty good. It's right. I don't serve at, I don't serve at the behest of Congress. It's the president <laughs> of the United States. It says it on my certificate. You could, it gives you plausible deniability on an entire branch of the federal government. So you're good. You're covered. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I uh, did that and uh, that was fantastic. Uh, the detailer let me uh, defer my sea tour and uh, let me go to the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, into the uh, Information Management Division, which does um, 
Freedom of Information Act requests, does uh, business processes, does uh, information management, how we uh, move information up to the chairman and joint chief staff to give uh, feedback to the president, to give him, give him his best military advice. Uh, and that happens to be out of DC. So I went from DC to DC to DC in my last eight years in the Navy. Yeah, that sounds like it was a great play also for your family. It, it was. That's when, uh, you know, we had uh, Theodore come along and uh, it allowed my wife to uh, advance her career. And it really gave us the stability of uh, getting ready for the transition into the civilian world. Um, so my last year, I was coming up uh, this 2019. Uh, my wife uh, said, hey, you can sit in the Navy if you really want. Uh, you can deploy anywhere in the world, but uh, the family and I are staying here in D.C. And uh, I already knew I wasn't making uh, commanding officer. I knew I wasn't going to get promoted. I'm like, 20 years is a good place for me to uh, stop. So at the one-year mark, I was already putting in my retirement papers. What, what kind of services did you end up leveraging in order to help you for your transition? Yeah, so um, there are multiple pieces that come together for that transition that I didn't even think about, even knowing that I was going to transition uh, ahead of time. Uh, you have to do your VA disability claim. Uh, so for that, it, I was using the uh, BFW and, uh, and the uh, fact that you had um, uh, VA guides on each of the bases around uh, that would help you put together your, your medical package. And uh, you, know, I, you go through your entire military career saying you're invincible and uh, trying to avoid the, the doctor. That, that last tour, if you haven't been doing it, it's really time to start documenting where you hurt, where, where your pains are, um, you know, uh, what isn't working correctly. Um, because without that documentation, going through the VA process of it, uh, you're just going to get denied uh, and it, it doesn't work. Uh, you, so uh, I use those services to make sure that uh, my medical uh, records were in line, make sure that I document uh, the different aches and pains I had. Um, and then uh, I also utilized, uh, I attempted to use the SkillBridge program, which is a fantastic program. Um, SkillBridge, uh, one, you can get uh, one certification through them. So if you know what industry you want to go through, they, they will help pay for it. Um, so uh, for me, I knew I liked project management. Uh, so I got my uh, project management professional, my PMP uh, certification. Um, I've been doing projects for the Navy from building ships to uh, writing National Defense Authorization Acts, etc. Um, so I use that to get my certification. But they also offer a fellowship uh, where you get uh, about three or four months with a corporate America sponsor. And the goal is while you're on active duty, so you're getting your active duty paycheck, you go to corporate America for three or four months. And the goal is that that company uh, will see what you can do and hire you. Uh, so I applied to that. Uh, and fortunately, my interview skills were weak. 
and uh, I did not get selected for the program. But uh, it, it's a fantastic uh, option if your uh, commanding officer will allow you to do it. Yeah, I think recently they modified some of the um, requirements, like the companies need to get screened and certified before they can allow individuals to try and apply. And I think it's there's been some changes to the amount of time that you can you can participate in the program while you're still technically act on active duty, but it's still a great program. As a matter of fact, I'll try and post a little more information in the episode notes. Um, but it sounds like you leveraged quite a few different things to help you with your transition. Were there things that you wish you had spent more time on uh, or, or maybe other programs that you didn't utilize that you wish you did? Yeah, uh, I would say that my biggest regret is um, I, I figured I had it all, all wired. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And as, as I said, my uh, interview skills were weak and I didn't seek out help to uh, help me translate what I had done into what corporate America was looking for. And uh, coming from the military, we speak in a, in a, we accomplished, we, we did this, the squadron did. Um, and I had troubles in the interview process. Well, what did you do? I, I had trouble speaking in the I, I accomplished, I did. And uh, I think that held me back. So it's probably not just a accumulation of what you did, but it sounds like there's a there's a, a part where you're lost in translation because you're you're not a, attuned to the corporate world lexicon. Um, how 100%. did you? So how did you get? How did you get over that? Because uh, certainly that that must have been a learning experience. Yeah. Um, so really, I, I think I got lucky. Um, I, I found a, I found a great team, uh, at Verizon media, uh, which is now Yahoo, uh, and their membership services. Um, yeah, I went into an interview with, uh, Brendan Jennings, uh, the senior vice president, uh, for membership services. Uh, he was looking for a chief of staff and, uh, I'd been through a couple of interview processes and he started the interview process with. Um, if you're going to be my chief of staff, you need to be able to run these things. So, uh, uh, go ahead and start asking questions. That's an interesting title. So when you say Yahoo's looking for a chief of staff for a certain department, is it essentially the same thing as like a assistant chief of staff or is it in like an executive officer type function? Yeah. So, uh, in corporate America, the, the chief of staff role is, uh, very personal to the executive you're supporting. Um, I, you know, title-wise, I'm a middle manager, uh, but I go across the staff and I, I filled the needs that uh, the executive expressed that he wanted help with, uh, or uh, aligning the staff to uh, accomplish things uh, that touch more than one department. And so examples of that, uh, I would assist with uh, help resourcing the budget. I would uh, make sure that uh, our quarterly uh, all hands and uh, updates reviews were completed. I made sure that the uh, trains were on time with reporting to uh, senior leadership and that we had the correct experts uh, giving the correct inputs uh, to make sure that uh, 
we had a compelling story of um, what we're accomplishing and where we were going. And uh, luckily, the the for me, uh, the team w- was amazing, well-oiled machine. I'd ask, hey, uh, are we on top of this? You know, where, what do we need to accomplish here? And they'd be like, we got this. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know uh, as it's coming up. And uh, really a uh, very tight-knit family there. And uh, it couldn't have been any tighter than, than a military squadron or a unit. Uh, amazing. The, the team's still there, and I still stay in touch with them, even though I've moved on in the organization. Um, just great people. Hey, sis, I got, a, I got a question for you. Since you work for SY Partners as a people manager, does that sound like something that a lot of other companies you've interfaced with have, like um, executive assistant or chief of staff roles? Have you heard it called other things? Oh, yeah. No, at, here at SYP, we have that. We have a chief of staff that um, supports our CEO. And then we have executive business administrators that support other um, executive level people. Uh, and we call them partners. And then we have principals. So we have assistants that work uh, as a chief of staff. And then we have our executive administrators. But the chief of staff is like what, you, what he said. It's very personal to the, the executive that they're assisting with, that they're supporting. And it's the same thing. They execute whatever the CEO needs for that project or for whatever they need to get done. They speak for them. Um, and then they relay it back. And usually chiefs of staffs really come in from a strategy level because they've worked within that type of environment before. So having a strategy background really helps um, support that exec as a chief of staff. So we still use that term as well, but then we also have uh, executive administrators. All right. Well, thanks for that background information. Um, James, are, are you still in that role or are you in a different role now? Yeah. So I moved on. Uh, so corporate America moves a lot faster than, uh, than the federal government and the military and uh, reorganizations. Um, so uh, the, the chief of staff role, uh, we try to keep it to two years and uh, find different parts of the business where uh, you can be successful. So I went to the higher level of the organization uh, to what we called consumer, which uh, was uh, the leadership level, uh, working in that operations department, doing uh, business operations and strategy um, across the organization, across the businesses that uh, Verizon Media had. Um, about that time, uh, we had just uh, Verizon Media had just been sold and became Yahoo. And uh, we were going through a reorganization and uh, the consumer portion uh, was dissolved. And so they said, hey, uh, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? What do you enjoy? And uh, I've been working with uh, Yahoo Finance and uh, really enjoyed the projects that they had me uh, uh, diving into. So I said, can I go there? Uh, Yahoo Finance was a... gracious enough to say, yeah, we'll, we'll take him. We'll give him a chance. And so now I work in the business operations, uh, department doing project management, uh, for, uh, uh, special projects and for aligning the different, uh, different, uh, product, product management, uh, squads or teams, 
to achieve their goals and understand their roadmap for uh, delivering products. So I know you have your project management professional certification through the Project Management Institute. How um, lucrative is that qualification? Because I know it's it's not an easy qualification to get. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's I mean, four hour exam. Uh, you need I think like four thousand hours of project management experience. Um, uh, multiple uh, hours of in classroom uh, training. Uh, so while it's not broken out on my, uh, in my pay, I, I've been told, uh, from friends that have been in corporate America, it's anywhere between another 20 to $40,000 on your paycheck. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did you, um, did you get assistance with preparing for, uh, cause I know that the, the application process, I've seen it. And it's the application in and of itself is intimidating, but did you have uh, any help going through the process of getting that certification? Uh, yeah. So uh, while I was in the military at the Joint Chiefs of Staff, um, they actually had uh, education credits uh, where uh, they offered a project management prep course. Uh, so they sent me to, uh, again, I had a great boss there. Uh, who allowed me to go to this two-week uh, prep course for the exam? Uh, so, uh, four, what, uh, eighty hours worth of uh, prep uh, for the exam, where they walked you through the, the book and the, you know how the processes worked. So, uh, very, uh, very in-depth uh, preparation for the exam. What What are you hoping for the future? Are you just <laughs> enjoying the? Is there a place that you want to go or a thing that you want to do afterwards? Or are you just kind of enjoying the ride right now? Uh, so I've now been with Yahoo uh, coming up on three years in April. Um, coming from the military to the tech organization, I, I, I was like, wow, how, how did I land this job? Um, and, uh, but for me, there, there's really three things that are important uh, when I consider a job right now. And that's, do I like what I do? Do I like who I do it with? And is the compensation meeting the needs of my family? And I would say I've really been lucky and I've hit all three of those with Yahoo. Um, the, the people I work with, they love what they do. They're passionate about it. Um, I've never gotten into a meeting or a uh, experience where I'm like, hey, I need help with uh, or do you know somebody I've never gotten a response of you're on your own. I've always gotten a, yeah, sure. Let me help you with that. Or, Hey, have you talked to this person or absolutely here's some information to guide you. Um, uh, the, the people are, are smart and they want to be there. And so I want to be there. Oh man, that sounds awesome. What's it like being a veteran working for Yahoo? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they have, uh, a veteran, uh, uh, group, within the organization uh, that holds uh, regular meetings. Um, but uh, there's civilians uh, that aren't exposed to the military. So when I was uh, in my hiring process, which was right at the beginning of COVID, um, you know, one of the questions, or one of the uh, engineers asked me, he's like, you're not gonna make us do push-ups or anything, right? 
uh, you know, if we miss a deadline, I just laughed. I'm like, uh, no, I don't think that would work very well. I don't, I don't think I could do as many pushups as you could. So yeah, it would qualify um, as workplace violence, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think one of the, the major challenges, uh, that I glossed over was, uh, th- this whole transition, uh, happened. Um, so I took, I interviewed for the job in February of 2020 and I wasn't actually, uh, getting out of the military until June, but I could start work and on my uh, terminal vacation, the vacation I'd saved up from the military. Um, so right about uh, March of 2020 was when COVID started. And so, uh, you know, the membership services team had said, uh, for the right person, we'll hold the job open. And I'm like, great, I'm available in April. And then COVID hit. And so I was calling up saying, hey, do I still have a job? And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely. You have a job. Uh, don't worry. We're going to honor our commitment. And uh, so I started in April. And at that point, we were in lockdown. So I went from interviewing in person and expecting an in-person experience to they mailed me a laptop and a cell phone. And I had to learn corporate America uh, via remote uh, phone calls and meetings. God, that sounds difficult. It's truly hard, especially a chief of staff. It's a very personal uh, relationship building position. And so you know the meetings you're invited to or that you invite people to, but you don't know what you don't know. You know, what's happening behind the scenes uh, in an office environment, you have just that buzz in the hallways of what's important, what people are working on. And so... Uh, to build the connections of this team's working on project X and this one's working on Y and they're related through one, two, three, uh, it takes a lot more effort. Well, that's, that, that's a great story. I mean, thanks for kind of covering the full scope, including, you know, your experience in the corporate world. I know you've already given us some lessons learned. Are there any other lessons learned that you'd like to give our listeners, uh, particularly those that are getting ready to transition or maybe thinking about going the corporate track? Uh, yeah, so one, uh, I would say if you're going to go the corporate track, uh, start thinking about what you do, uh, what you like to do, and uh, start that networking, start talking to people in, in that field. Uh, see if you have, can make those connections. Uh, during the interview process, I was asked, who do you know here? And how did you get the interview? And I was like, uh, I know nobody. And I applied online and they were shocked that I actually got an interview. Um, <laughs> that's so. like, that's like the, the way everybody says to not try and land an interview, <laughs> but I'm glad it worked out for you. That's great. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say, um, you know, do that networking, um, you know, understanding some of the corporate lingo, um, we're, you know, we were talking about the, those job titles. Um, it, it took me a long time, actually, after I, I uh, joined Yahoo to realize that your, your title tells something about you. Um, two things. One, you have your internal title and you have your external title. So, um, you know, you stick with the membership services. Um, my internal title was chief of staff. But if you look on my job description, it said business strategy, senior manager. Um, and so I, I didn't think anything of that, but that business strategy, senior manager, um, tells if you manage people or not. 
Um, and the way that does, does that is as a, that senior manager, if it's in the back, like my title, it means I didn't have any direct reports. But if it was in the front of the business strategy, it would have meant that I had people that worked underneath me. So if it said senior manager business strategy, then I have people that work for me. As opposed to business strategy, senior manager. Correct. Huh. So little nuances where I, I, you know, you don't realize that uh, they have a title system also, just like in the military, like the, the way I equate that is uh, for commanding officers or for commanders uh, or in the case of the Army and the Marine Corps, uh, lieutenant colonels. You know, if you have a command pen, that means that you were in charge of a, a squadron, a unit. But if you don't have that, then you weren't in command. Right. So uh, that, that little pin tells something. And just like that, just like uh, in corporate America, your title tells something, whether you actually are leading people or not. I can see how like trying to get the net, do the networking and maybe have some informational interviews of the company or companies you're looking at. So you could, I, I mean, I couldn't find any other, I couldn't think of another way you would find that out ahead, ahead of time, unless you talk to people that are part of that organization. Um, sis, I don't know. Do you, do you see other, uh, nuances with job titles like that? I mean, for us personally, we, we do have the manager or senior manager in front of whatever scope we're working within. So like I'm manager of, um, employee engagement and onboarding. So because I'm not a senior manager, I don't actually lead people or I don't manage other people. Uh, but there are senior managers, like we have a senior manager of benefits and a senior manager of data and insight, or a, she's a director actually, but it is true. Um, it, that can tell if you manage people directly or not. Uh, but you know, my business isn't really in the huge corporate world. We're much smaller than large companies that have over a thousand employees. Um, but I can see how that can really tell out in the corporate world if you do manage people or not. So we do follow it some way. Yeah. So I guess it, it, it can be different in any type of organization. You just got to do the deep work to find out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think networking, especially, you know, going on some of these social media platforms, finding people that work within the company with a title that speaks to you of whatever research you've been doing and just having a conversation with them. We have that happen to a lot of people here where they just tell us that somebody reached out and they just want to talk about the company and their role and what they do. Uh, yeah, that's important to do. Okay, great. J James, am I, is there anything else you want to relay? I mean, you've covered quite a bit of ground here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would just say um, when it comes to the transition, um, start early, right? If the, you know, especially on the, on the VA medical stuff, um, you know, when I was getting out, there was, you could submit your paperwork 180 days prior. Uh, don't, don't wait 180 days. Don't wait till day, uh, you know, if they say you can spend 180 days prior, you should have all your paperwork and everything ready to go a day 180. Cause, uh, that, that paperwork is intense and, uh, it has major ramifications on the backside for you. If you're going for government jobs and you come out, uh, with a disability, uh, you get uh, bonus points for getting the military job or the government jobs. Um, 
And I'd also say, uh, you know, if you are concerned about have, being disabled, uh, file for life insurance for your family before you uh, get your VA disability rating, because it, it can affect um, if you're even eligible for life insurance coming out. Wow. Okay. That, yeah, that's I mean, that's it, definitely that, new to me. It, it's things that I, I hadn't even thought about, but, um, you know, uh, come to find out, it, it, it's one of those important things. And uh, I'm glad that I had set up my life insurance before I finally transitioned. Okay. Thank you for that. Hey, sis, any, any questions you wanted to ask? I am just so interested to know what, what happened to make you think that your interview skills were weak? What, was there some specific question you didn't know how to answer? Or I hear a smile on the other end. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, one of those where uh, uh, in military units, you, uh, they say, uh, think, press, talk. Uh, think about what you want to say, press the button, then talk. And in the helicopter, I always had the, the, bad, uh, uh, the bad habit of pressing and then the long, uh, and then actually say what I wanted to say. Um, but in an interview, they'd ask you know, things like, what's your greatest success? What's your greatest weakness? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how would you approach a situation? And so I would have that, that same uh, experience. I would, I would start talking before my brain engaged. And then, uh, then so some mindless dribble would come out and then, uh, and then I'd finally get around to their answer, but I'd have eaten up a bunch of time and get given an indecisive, indecisive answer in the process. Yeah, understood. Yeah, I can see how that happens. That happens a lot in interviews where either people answer too quickly and then they lose track and then they have to get back on track wondering what the question was. Or some people take a long delay into answering the question, which that's not either bad or good. It's it's actually something that's pretty good to hear, especially when people think about their answers too, um, when they do talk, um, or answer a question within the interview. So both sides, I totally get (laughs) and seen. Okay, James. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up here. I know we've, we've used up quite a bit of your time and it's a, it's a little bit late, (laughs) but if, uh, listeners have specific questions, uh, that maybe we didn't think of asking and they'd like to ask you, is there a way they can get in touch with you? Uh, sure. I'm a firm user of uh, LinkedIn, uh, James-D-Raymond on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm happy to answer any questions there. I, uh, I'm pretty responsive. Well, hey, thanks a lot for that, and thanks a lot for your time, and uh, certainly... I mean, you definitely have, you can't hear it, but the gears in my head are spinning because uh, it was very informative and, and, and you provided a lot of information that I didn't expect. And so that was great. Uh, James, hey, thanks again. Appreciate your time and, uh, and I'll be in touch. Hey, I truly appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about my experience and thank you for what you're doing here, uh, helping service members transition from the military into uh, civilian life. And James has left the virtual studio. That was a great, that, that was, it was great having him on. I learned a lot. Oh yeah. I learned a lot too. <laughs> yeah. I was taking some notes as we were going through, uh, as we were talking to him and I liked some of the filter criteria he proposed 
and it's it was basic but it helped frame you know should should i stay with where i'm at or should i move on as first filter was do i like what i do second do i like who i do it with and third does it support my family it sounds simple but um i think that's the beauty in its simplicity is that it's a very simple guide and i really liked the information he had and and how he was honest about wishing that he had spent more time working on his interview you know his interview skills mm-hmm. and then uh and then certainly illuminated the benefits of taking the time to network, to understand the companies you might be trying to apply to, because everybody has their own different different lexicon, their different language, and a different way of um, conveying, well, like what job descriptions are and what they mean. Mm-hmm. Anything that you thought was interesting? Well, yeah, when he was talking about his background and, you know, his degrees and both um, bio and chem degrees and becoming a pilot, and then he was, you know, uh, teaching other pilots because he said it was like a natural progression. Um, and then all the logistics that he was doing while in those positions. I mean, I wrote it down and I circled PM slash biz ops. I was like, this is exactly where that type of training would live in the civilian world when it comes to, to work. And then when he started saying that he got his PMP certification and then he did some strategy work and then he was talking about biz ops, I was like, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> All right. Hey, listeners, biz ops. Biz ops. That, hey, that's new to me, but I, I'll tell you, E8s, E9s, O4s, O5s that do 20 years, you're probably doing something right now that's related to biz ops. And I, that's a note, I'm putting that down as a note for me. So that's great information. Anything else, sis? No, it's just really great to talk to another person in the service, you know, and who's been in it for so long. So I, I, it was great for me to hear. Yeah, I think it, I think we wrapped up a great conversation. Definitely. And so uh, to close, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you very much. By listening, you're supporting us. If you're also interested in supporting the podcast, you might want to consider following New Mission Career Transition on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of the other podcast apps you use. You can follow us on Instagram at New Mission CT. That's New Mission Charlie Tango. We would also love to hear your feedback. You can DM us on Instagram, or you can send us an email at our address, newmissionct at gmail.com. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you're preparing for your own transition, know that I'm right there with you. So until next time, stay focused and keep attacking.